Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. Wasn't that a powerful clip? Some of you haven't seen the Chosen uh, series yet. And if you want to watch it, you can download the app and just do a search for The Chosen and you'll be able to pull it up. So well done. It's like the Bible series and the TV show, This Is Us, Had a Baby. <laughs> it's just so well done. And I think it does a really good job of giving you a picture of what it was like back then in the first century uh, to follow Jesus. In this particular episode of Matthew becoming a follower of Jesus is so good. And it's good for a lot of reasons. But the big reason, and this is kind of our message today, is there is no prerequisite to becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you think about this text, it's from Matthew chapter nine. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Matthew chapter nine. And we're just going to read this passage of scripture that this uh, particular episode from The Chosen was taken from, so you can follow along with us. But it's Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and he followed him. Now, this wasn't a casual invitation to follow him. This was an invitation into a relationship that Jesus was saying, Matthew, I'm good. I want to have a relationship with you. Now, this had to be so controversial. And this is why in that little clip that we played, Peter was kind of resistant to this idea of Matthew following Jesus as the rest of the disciples did. Because being a tax collector was something that no one, no one liked the tax collector in first century Palestine. They were looked at as traitors. They were definitely outcasts, but it was a lucrative business. And if you were alive then and somebody offered you this job and they offered you this large sum of money, it would be hard to resist. So before you get, you know, real judgy on Matthew, he was really, you know, he had a great career. I'm sure he was providing for himself really, really well. Uh, but at what cost? His whole culture turned on him. They looked at him as somebody that was working for Rome, that was, was kind of fueling this occupation or this uh, uh, Roman occupation of, of Palestine during this time. And uh, just think about Matthew's position where he was at. Jesus is coming by as a Jew with his Jewish followers. All the Jews despised him, and yet Jesus stops. While Matthew is still in his booth, he says, follow me. Those words changed Matthew's life. And even more importantly, those two words changed the world. And the same calling that Jesus gave Matthew that day so long ago is the calling that Jesus is still giving us today. 
follow me. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So this is interesting, just as the uh, little clip that we showed. Jesus goes from inviting Matthew to follow him to going and having dinner at Matthew's house. This is showing you that this wasn't just a casual thing that Jesus was doing. He was really wanting to be identified with Matthew and saying, I'm okay for Matthew to be identified with me. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, but go and learn what this means. And then he in quotes from Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I love how our daily Bible reading matches up with our Sunday messages like this, because we've been reading out of the book of Hosea. So what this whole passage tells us is this, and write this down, this is so important. Anyone is someone who can follow Jesus. Anyone is someone who can follow Jesus. All that is required is for you to step out of your booth. I want you right now, whoever you're watching this with at, at that house, I want you to look at them right now and say, step out of your booth. Just tell them, say, step out of your booth. Tell somebody, text them, say, step out of your booth. So if that's really how easy it is to be a follower of Jesus, what's the hesitation? Why why don't people follow Jesus? And, and I really think it comes down to a case of the uns. <laughs> At least I call them the case of the uns. There are three uns that tend to get in people's way that cause them not to step out of their booth and to follow Jesus. And let's talk about these three uns that I'm mentioning. The first one is unqualified. So many people fail to follow Jesus because they look at their life and say, there's no way I could follow Jesus. I'm unqualified. Uh, and, and I believe a lot of this has to do with how much rejection so many of us have faced in our life. And not just the rejection, honestly, a lot of us know the things that we've done wrong. And so not, we, we have this rejection, but we also have this shame that is kind of there front and center in our lives. And because of that, a lot of people just don't think they're worthy enough to follow Jesus. Uh, I was thinking about it this way, and I have to admit this, that sometimes it's easier to believe that Jesus walked on water than it is to believe that he wants to walk with me. I love that. Because so much of what we do uh, is is right there in our thought bubbles. We, we remember it. I, I mean, right now, if I were to say, can you think of one thing that would disqualify you from God accepting you if you just think about your goodness? And I'm sure right now, something came right to your mind. You're like, yep, that right there. But here's the good news, is that God doesn't qualify us based upon anything that we do. He qualifies us based on what his son has already done for us. Look at this verse with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. This is so big. It is not that we think we are qualified 
Let me read this again. It is not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. So much of what we deal with in our heads is we, we think of you know, being a little kid again and being rejected at lunch at the cafeteria table with some kids telling us to go sit at another table or a coach telling us, hey, you're just not making the cut. Or, or even maybe a, a spouse saying that they can't do it anymore. Or, or maybe it's even you know, a prospective employer just telling you, hey, you're just not what we're looking for. All of these cases right now, they kind of get into our mind and, and they kind of jumble up this idea of God's acceptance of us and God's willingness to come close to us even when we are disqualified. This verse right here tells us that Praise God for what Jesus has done for us because, because of what Jesus has done for us. I say it this way. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God has an unending love because of your unsurpassable worth. He doesn't reject the disqualified. He actually redeems the disqualified and gives them a brand new life. Here's the reality of God. He refuses to see you in the condition that you're in. And he chooses to view you in the somebody that he's called you to be in your life right here on earth. That he loves you the way you are, but he refuses to look at you the way you are. He chooses to look at you and the potential that you have. In another passage, this is, Really powerful to understand. In another passage in the Gospel of Luke, he talks about a dinner party. And he's using this parable, he's using the story saying that a king has his dinner party and some invited guests find some excuses why they're not going to come. And then the king in the story that Jesus is telling in the Gospel of Luke, he tells the servants, hey, go out and find anybody that is willing to come to the party. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're homeless or misfits, outcasts. Invite them to the party so that the king's table might be full. I love this because here's what Jesus is declaring to us in this story. That everybody has received an invitation to follow Jesus. I'm sure you've probably been in a situation where you heard a family was a family, a part of your family was having a party or maybe they were doing a wedding or a shower or whatever, a friend or a coworker, they were putting on this party and, and you, you were like, hey, of course, I'm going to go to this, but you never got your invitation. <laughs> and, and maybe that just like hurt and maybe you haven't even talked to them. Hey, man, loosen up, man. Life is too short to hold grudges. Come on, forgive them and move on.com. But that's a different sermon. What we need to talk about is we need to talk about the fact that there's a spirit of rejection that has moved into people's lives that are preventing them from following Jesus because they see themselves in this capacity that God doesn't see them. And they look at themselves saying, there's no way I can follow Jesus. And there's no way he would even want me because, you know, you've been through these traumatic situations and rejection in your life. I, I, I want to just declare to you today that in God's kingdom, all are invited to the party. So the invite has been sent to you, my friend. Now it's up to you whether you want to come to the party that God is inviting you to. 
So step out of your booth. Tell somebody right now, step out of your booth. Here's the second un that so many people deal with, and that is uncomfortable. So not only do we fail to step out of the booth because we feel unqualified, a lot of us don't step out of the booth because we feel uncomfortable stepping out of the booth. And it will make you uncomfortable to step out of what you're familiar with to this new way of living that is completely unfamiliar to you. I mean, let's face it. We are, are comfort creatures, right? We, we love to, to go and, and put our comfy clothes on. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not comfy clothes anymore. It's loungewear. <laughs> That's really a thing right now, loungewear. You go and shop for loungewear and it's sweatpants. Come on, those are comfy clothes. And, and so a lot of us, our default setting is like, hey, we want to sit on the couch. We want to get a little blanky. We got a little hot cocoa. We want to watch a TV show. We watch a hundred times and, and we just like to zone out. And, and let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with resting like that. There's nothing wrong. But if you develop like a habit of doing this all the time and, and like, like being comfortable is your default setting, that is not healthy for you, my friend. And, and that is no way to live at all. And really when you live like this, the, the kind of the, the negative effect of it is you start kind of zoning out in life. It's kind of like when you take a road all the time and you take it so often that you stop kind of, you know, seeing uh, the, the road or you're paying attention uh, to the drive. That, that's me driving back and forth to Vegas. I did this for so many years. This is what's scary. I would get to either Bakersfield or Vegas, wherever I was driving, and... I would just pause when I would pull up in the driveway and I would try to remember like miles of driving that I completely didn't remember. So I don't know if I was asleep. <laughs> I don't know where I was, but I definitely don't remember driving that. And that's what happens when we get really comfortable, we tend to zone out and we're not fully present versus a new road that you've never driven on before. You're very attentive. You're fully present because you don't know what's coming around the corner. We took this new road in the Malibu Canyon the other day. We had never taken this road and it was so much fun. It was, it was just like, we never, you know, we we didn't know what was coming next and I was alert. I was seeing things on the side of the road that I just, I was fully present. And this is what Jesus is calling us into to get out of our comfort zones. Let me tell you another quote from another author that I love, Mark Batterson. He said this, he said, Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He died to make you dangerous. No one, listen to me, no one has ever changed the world by playing it safe. And even though your booth is safe and even though that booth is comfortable for you, that is not the life that God has called you to live. And if we're honest with ourselves, that is a boring way of living. And no wonder why sin looks so appealing to you because the relationship that you are having with God in the comfort of your own little booth is boring. Of course, sin's gonna look more appealing to you. God has called you to live a great adventure with him, but it's gonna require you stepping out of your booth. Let me give you a couple fun quotes. I like this. Max Dupree says this. He says, we cannot become what we wanna be 
by remaining what we are. <laughs> That's a good thought-provoking quote. Here's another one. A ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what a ship is built for. Can I tell you something? God wants to do miracles through our lives, but miracles only happen outside of our comfort zones. It's gonna require you stepping out of your booth in order for you to be able to experience miracles. You can't expect God stories in your booth. Uh, one of the most radical stories in the Bible is a story of this older guy named Caleb. Now, Caleb is found in the book of Joshua. And you could read his whole story even when he was younger and he was with Joshua and they were uh, being called out by, by God to go in or being called out by Moses rather to go in to uh, spy out the land. And, you know, they came back, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, man, God's given us this land. But all the other spies were like, no way, there's giants in the land. There's no way we're going to be able to defeat these giants. Like God has given us a mission that we will never be able to see victory on. Joshua and Caleb said, that is not true. If God is for us, who can be against us? These giants are nothing compared to the greatness of God. Boy, we need some more Joshua and Caleb's in this world. But here's the cool part of Caleb's story. It's actually found at the later part of his life in the book of Joshua. And here's what it says about Joshua. He's 85 years old now. The, the kingdom, uh, or Israel, I should say, they went into the promised land. The kingdom of Israel was being established, right? And so Joshua is distributing the territories of the land that they had just conquered and they, they had just uh, been given by God. And so what God tells Joshua is give Caleb first pick. So Caleb, out of all of these different territories, he could have chosen like the most beautiful, serene, relaxing environment out of all the territories. I mean, he, he could have had that, that picture perfect scene right there at the beach with his hammock, with a couple palm trees and the beautiful Mediterranean sea, you know, right there. But this is what Caleb does. He's 85 years old. Check this out. Verse 11 in chapter 14. This is how Caleb responds to this message. He says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. The Anakim were the leftover giants in the land. They were the, the big guys. They were the, you know, the NBA basketball players and even then some. And Caleb, 85 years old, where most people are like, hey, I'm way beyond even my retirement age. Caleb's like, you know what? I'm still a warrior. Give me the tough area because I believe God can still use me. I tell you, that is inspiring. Let me tell you something. God doesn't have a retirement plan for us, at least here on earth. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be used by God to do great things while you're still on this earth. If you still have a heartbeat, my friend, there is still an assignment that God wants you to accomplish for his kingdom. So step up and have the spirit of Caleb and go after it. Live that adventure out. 
Because I'm telling you, when you step out of your booth, there is an adventure waiting for you. And it's going to be fun. I, I just think of all the adventures that, that God had, has had me on. Whether you know, it's going to the grocery store and, and getting a nudge by the Holy Spirit to, to pray for somebody, going to the gas pump, or going to the gym and handing a verse out. I mean, you'll never know what kind of cool story you're going to have when you live a lifestyle like this. Uh, there are still friends in my life today from an adventure moment that God gave me years ago. I remember this one particular time, there was a guy that was working out with me. Like every time I go to the gym, he was there. And probably about the fourth time, I started really kind of feeling that nudge by the Holy Spirit. It's like, hey, you're supposed to uh, say something to him. And I was like, what do I say to him? I mean, that makes me uncomfortable. I know I'm a pastor, but still, it's like, it's kind of awkward to just walk up to a stranger, especially at the gym, like, Hey, you know, uh, at the gym, guys are just weird anyway. They're just like always like stare at each other down and stuff. And so I was just like really nervous about this, uncomfortable about this. But I really felt this strong uh, nudge to go and, and give him a, a Bible verse. And so I go uh, into the locker room when we're done. And, and uh, he happened to be on this particular day leaving at the same time. And I said, hey, man, what's your name? And and uh, I, I had written down a verse. I was so confident that God wanted me to give him this uh, scripture. I said, hey, man, I'm a Christian. And uh, I just really felt God tell me to give you this verse that it would encourage you. And he took it and he read it. He said, man, this means so much to me. You know, after that, he became my buddy. And I can't say that that verse like completely changed his life. But you know what that verse did? It opened up a door for ministry. And that guy's been in my life ever since that moment. So who knows what kind of relationships God is, is waiting to bring into your life if you're willing to get uncomfortable and step out of your booth. Here's the third uh, un that a lot of people deal with and it prevents them from stepping out of their booth. And that is being uncertain. It really messes with people's head. This is where the fear factor comes in. Because a lot of us, we, we like to have our schedules. We like to know where we're going. I mean, think about it. If somebody says to you, follow me, <laughs> the first natural response you have back to them is, where are we going? You know, it's interesting that at one point that somebody had, had told Jesus, I'll follow you. And you know what Jesus' response was to this guy? Like, I don't have an address. What he was saying is, if you follow me, we, we don't have like a, a place to lay our head at night. Like, like we just kind of go where the spirit of God tells us to go. And, and so our whole life is uncertain. We don't know where we're going from one day to the next. Now, some of you, you kind of love living like this. Others of you that are very structured and rigid, that just freaks you out. You already have a plan for your tomorrow before today's even done. You know who I'm talking to. You know, and if it's not you, you know somebody that's just like that. And here's the reality. Whether you step out of the booth or not, this life, my friend, is uncertain. If this pandemic ha has taught us something, it's this, that life is uncertain. We don't know what's gonna happen around the corner. And so why would you just stay in the booth when even staying in the booth is uncertain? I, I want to encourage you that there are things that God is wanting to do with you and through you, and fear is keeping you from doing that. 
You think about it. Fear is keeping you from experiencing God. And, and we've been fearful of everything that has come in, into our life that's been new, right? But think about it. everything that you're comfortable with today at one point in your past was new. And, and it might have freaked you out a little bit. And that's normal. But this invitation that Jesus is giving us is saying, follow me even if it means that your future is uncertain. Matthew didn't know what his future was gonna be. I mean, he left his lucrative, his lifestyle and everything, and he just followed him, not knowing what was gonna be around the corner. And here's what's really, um, I I guess, uh, encouraging about stepping out of the booth despite the uncertainty is that God has wired us to make a difference. And when you step out of the booth, and you start following Jesus, you are stepping in to making a difference in this world, with your family, at your job. I mean, think about it. You've been wired by God to make a difference. And the moment you step out of that booth and you step into doing something you've never done before is you are positioning yourself maybe even for the first time to make a difference in somebody else's life. And that, my friends, is what God really wants to do with your life. I I was thinking about some of the experiences that I've had where I was really freaked out over new things. I I was on my way to becoming a veterinarian and I had to make a decision after feeling compelled to go into uh, becoming an intern at my church is I knew I was gonna have to leave this pursuit that I had spent years pursuing and completely pursue a whole different life, being a pastor. And and I wrestled with this. And I was married at the time. And even my wife and I wrestled with it together. And she said, when she married me, one of the reasons she married me was I wasn't gonna be a pastor. God had a head fake for her, didn't he? Well, I had to make that decision to be a pastor and leave this plan that I had in place to be a veterinarian. And it was hard for me. I think it was even harder for my mom and dad who had supported me going to college and going to Cal Poly. And and I did that. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And honestly, at that point, uh, I knew that pastors weren't real wealthy people typically. And so I was like, wow, I'm, I'm leaving being a veterinarian and, and probably in, in my head, I already had a veterinary practice in Beverly Hills. I had, I had a whole business plan in place and I was going to be making some money. And, and I was like getting used to this fact, like, man, I'm not going to be wealthy, but you know what? Pursuing God and pursuing this full time means more to me than having money. And so I did, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just became an intern and little did I know that I would be in that position and and God would raise me up to plant this new church in Thousand Oaks. Crazy. Uh, Another time uh, that happened to me that I, I really, it I was kind of nervous about it was stepping away from this church that we had been a part of in Vegas for 10 years I mean, God was moving in this church. Lives are being changed every week. The church was growing and thriving. We had thousands of people there. And and really, honestly, every week that uh, I would give a message, we would have 20 to 30 people uh, say yes to following Jesus. I mean, it it was like a revival. And in the middle of all of this, 
God began stirring my wife and I's heart saying that he had something new that he wanted to bring us into. And it was kind of, you know, it, it was something that was making us really nervous. We didn't know. There were no promises that we would start this new church and things would, would just kind of come together the way they have. We didn't know that. But yet we were so compelled by God to do this that we did it regardless of the fear that we had of the uncertainty that awaited us in, in starting this new chapter of our life. And I'm so glad we did. And maybe even in your own life, there was something you were nervous about and something uncertain and, and you did it despite the nervousness. And now you look back and you're like, wow, that is one of the best decisions that I ever made. What kind of things are waiting for you in the future? Decisions that you're gonna make that are gonna make you uncomfortable. Newness that God is gonna bring into your life that, that you're just not gonna be comfortable with yet because it's, it's not familiar to you. Check this out. This is a word for somebody. I prayed over this message this week and God told me, he says, I have a rhema for somebody watching this week. And maybe this is for you. Write this verse down. Isaiah 43 verse 19 it says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry land. I am telling you that there is something that God is wanting to do with your life that is new. And it's gonna freak you out a little bit, but I'm telling you, new chapters are so amazing to walk into. And there's a new chapter for somebody watching right now. There's a new chapter that God is already speaking to you about and he's using me today to confirm it, that the new chapter has already, be, has already been written. All you have to do is step out of the booth. And by stepping out of the booth, you're, gonna, you're just automatically gonna step into this new chapter of your life. But it's like that philosopher Wayne Gretzky once said, he said this, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I love that quote. Wayne Gretzky hit it on the head. You have to step out of the booth to start experiencing God in powerful ways. I heard a story this week of this entrepreneur uh, named Susie Batiste. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And I watched this little segment on the Today Show. And she was just recently featured last year on Forbes Richest Self-Made Women. And her net worth is valued right now at $240 million. But the crazy part of her story is how she became a millionaire. She became a millionaire because she had an idea. And the idea came from all these essential oils that she would mess with. And the idea was to take the stink out of the bathroom. This is a true story. It's called poopery. This is a real thing. And Susie founded this. And since she created this poopery, it's, uh, she has sold 60 million bottles of the spray. And it's now featured in Target, Costco, Bed Bath & Beyond, and, and of course on Amazon. And the reason I tell you this is, is, is because I, I think, wow, I, there's a little part of me that's an entrepreneur spirit. So I was like, well, good for Susie for doing that, stepping out with this great idea. Can you imagine her telling her friends, like, I got an idea. <laughs> but check this out. The reason I bring this up is that if somebody can have an idea 
and step out and become a millionaire over making the bathroom smell better after somebody visits it. How much greater value do we have when we pursue something God is calling us into? Can you imagine the, the great value that that has? Not just on earth, not just maybe in the translation of a changed life, but even greater than that, the eternal value that is gonna hold for you when you get to heaven. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16. And we read this, uh, one of these verses last week, but I'm gonna read the, the whole passage for you this morning. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Forever, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Can I ask you a question this morning? What un- is keeping you from stepping out of your booth. Maybe you are feeling a little unqualified this morning. Well, join the club. Maybe you don't like feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe you certainly don't like feeling uncertain about circumstances that, that you really have no control of. You know, regardless of, of what's keeping you from stepping out of your booth, I'm telling you that the invitation to follow Jesus is the one invitation that promises to give you real life. Everything else that you're part of in this life is not gonna be able to give you life. The only thing that is gonna be able to fill your soul with life is following Jesus. Some of you haven't accepted the invitation. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to the invitation for you to step out of your booth, regardless of feeling unqualified, uncomfortable, or uncertain, knowing that following Jesus is going to make your life better and following Jesus is going to make you better at life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray right now for everybody that is watching this morning. God, I know that you're already speaking so powerfully to so many people through this message. But there are people that are watching that are far from you. And God, this message had their name all over it. I pray, Father, that you would get a hold of their heart right now. And while we're praying, if you just feel like God has his finger on you, my friend, Know that he is calling you just like he called Matthew with these two powerful words, follow me. And if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to just pray this simple prayer after me. And this is where your journey with following Jesus begins. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. And just as Matthew left his booth, today I'm making a decision to step out of my booth to follow you. Thank you for accepting me, forgiving me, and receiving me despite what I've done. 
despite who I've been. Thank you for seeing me for the potential that I have, not for the things that I've done. Thank you for dying for my sins and resurrecting from the grave so that I might receive that life-giving spirit that you have to give me. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. For today, I'm making a decision to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to let us know. I want you to just text us and, and just say, I said yes to the Atmos phone so that we can partner with you in this decision and send you resources, even a Bible if you don't own one. We want to make sure that we equip you to be that follower of Jesus that he's called you to be. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. Bye.